if you're comfortable with innovation, so many other things are going right. And most importantly for them, it means coming out of that position that they were in, which was kind of probably a bit of a panicky kind of situation, thinking, how on earth are we going to continue? Well, let's take a step back. Actually, this is the perfect time to affect a culture change in the business. What we want to do is become comfortable with innovation. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. Hope you're all doing well out there. Not too long ago, Charlie Widows and I had a conversation, and we were talking about innovation. We were talking about how companies can be successful at it, what that successful discovery looks like. We were really focusing on discovery. And Charlie shared some great ideas. But what we wanted to do at the end of that, we started talking about innovation maturity and and being ready for innovation. And, and Charlie started to introduce some concepts, and we didn't have enough time in that podcast to finish that discussion. So we brought Charlie back. Charlie, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Paul. Hello, everyone. Again. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good. Yeah, so if we think about that, you know, being being ready for discovery, being ready for innovation, what are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, it was it was um we were, I remember us talking about I think we got onto the subject of maturity and readiness and what are the telltale signs that a company is innovation ready, I suppose. And you know, I saw it recently actually on a couple of calls we've had with customers where there's clearly certain things that companies are doing that suggest that they are more ready to innovate than they maybe were before. And and that speaks to where we were going with the questions around, you know, where's innovation going and how's it changed since the pandemic and how much emphasis a company's placing on having innovation kind of superpowers and, and flexing innovation muscles and things. And we thought it might be worth just exploring it a bit more because it kind of talks back to some of the insights we were uncovering when we started our business and mm. where that started to go to and seeing that play out. I think there feels like there's a process which starts with companies, you know, in the old days, companies would talk about restructuring their business. And that tended to mean they would move from one sort of vertical siloed way of working to to another one, maybe a decentralized, but still certain, you know, siloed and vertical or global, but still siloed and vertical, et cetera. And I think the change that happened was the company started to become more agile and a bit more flexible and a bit more fluid in how they how they operated. And that, that kind of went hand in hand with sort of digital transformation and as digital processes and tools and ways of working started to permeate businesses, they were able to work in a less fixed way and a less vertical way and start to get a bit more horizontal and move into the kind of realms of what we would term, I guess, agile. And from there, companies would go, well, now that we've kind of fixed this kind of very fixed way of working, moving into a more more fluid, more agile way, what needs to go along with that in order for us to make sure that we keep succeeding? And that would then become about behavior and culture. So it's one thing to change the environment that you're in to accept a more fluid and agile way of working, but it's another thing to evolve a workforce into being comfortable to work that way. And so along then starts coming the culture change that comes with with that. And it's you know it's very easy to be able to say, oh, all a company needs to do is go through a culture change and it will be innovation ready. Well in actual fact it's 
it's relatively difficult. Yeah. And uh, you know the, the world's full of great examples. Relatively <laughs> yeah. difficult. You know, everyone pull up to the pulls up the kind of examples of companies that are good at it. But most business, you know, most businesses are still on you know old versions of Windows and old old tower computers and all the rest of it. And it's it's not it's not that easy to change both digitally and and I guess culturally as well. So, but companies that crack it, you can kind of tell because they have an innovation culture in place. They have a a way of working that accepts people can come up with ideas and and they're not afraid for those ideas to be to be shared and be acted upon. So typically you might see a company with a decentralized way of working go, well, actually, why don't we build mini, mini distribution centers or mini production facilities or whatever and decentralize those as well? And somebody will say, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And in those three statements, you've kind of evolved because you've gone, first of all, we accept ideas from anywhere in the business. This could be anybody coming up with a great idea. The secondly is we've accepted that we can try things. And the thirdly is that people feel open enough to be able to share those ideas without fear of being knocked, getting them knocked down. And so within those three things, I feel like that's the kind of culture that businesses are trying to create in order for innovation to succeed in organizations. How it relates to, I guess, Solverboard was, was we were... We were keen when we were starting our, our original business to uncover that great piece of insight that would lead to understanding our customer and solving that their problem. And where we were coming from was thinking, you know, typically, you know, typical startup thing, you get in a room and you go, right, it's it's Airbnb for taxis or something, you know, or, or it's, you know, and it comes from, the, I suppose, the film pitching, you know, it's it's, it's rocky underwater or it's, uh, you know, how, how do people pitch films, you know, in that kind of typical way where they kind of got a few seconds to grab your attention. And that then became how people pitch businesses. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's Uber, for, Uber for dogs, you know, whatever it could be. <laughs> right. And we were thinking, yeah. well, what is, the, what is the kind of innovation space, the solver board kind of three-word mantra, the Guy Kawasaki kind of three-word mantra sort of thing. And we were kind of coming up with, well, you know, if you're in finance, then you've got Sage, or you've got, I don't know, Zero or something. If you're in sales, you're going to have Salesforce. If you're in marketing, you've got HubSpot uh, and so on. What have you got if you're in innovation? What have you got if you're in change and transformation? You know, what have you got? What is the tool that is going to stop your organization falling into a black hole in five years' time because no one's thought ahead? And that was kind of where, where the solver board kind of HubSpot for innovation or HubSpot for ideas came from. And being a kind of a single point of truth for all of your innovation activity. And we kind of hit upon that kind of insight or hit upon that kind of message from a piece of insight that we gathered by talking to hundreds of innovation managers and, and product managers and people that were involved in ideas. And what we learned was, what we found, I suppose, was that just because you're good at innovation, it doesn't necessarily make you a good innovation manager. You know, being, innov being innovative is about being curious and being a little bit disagreeable and a bit pushy and a bit questioning the norm, questioning the business, but then managing innovation. You know, some, somebody will say, oh, right, okay, well, you're always questioning how we do things. Why don't you become our innovation manager if you think you're so good, if you think you're so creative and clever and bright and, you know, and, 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 and uh, yeah. So that person, because of that, they're that type of person, they go, yeah, okay, I will, I'll be the innovation manager. And then suddenly they realize that it's not just 
the ideas, you know, and the and the creativity has come second to managing processes, managing stakeholders. Yeah, sure. What do I do now? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh crikey, I've got a budget that I've got to, you know, manage and I've got people that need to be led. I always think about life of Brian whenever I th- think about, you know, innovation managers having to kind of lead, bring people with them on a journey, you know, and which, yeah, where are we going? We don't know. So. You know, but it's, it's that kind of, you've got to have one foot in the present, i.e. I'm, I'm getting given a budget to go and do innovative things. So I need to have that one foot in the present to know what that, what that means. But I've got to have one foot in the, in the future as well, because I want to see, I've, I've got to have an idea of where that investment is going to get us to. And that is a really, really difficult journey to take senior members and stakeholders and shareholders and board members and let alone everyone else on. So it, it's, it's a very, very interesting and difficult place to be, which is why you get educators and you get kind of dark innovators. You know, you get this kind of light innovators and dark innovators, I always think, which is, you know, the guys that, hey, come along with me. It's everyone's business. We must all innovate. And we're going to teach you how to do it as, as part of the journey. Or you get the type of people that are like, no, it, it goes behind closed doors and it's all R&D and it's all, we're not going to tell anyone about what we're innovating on until we're ready, you know, and, and you get the two different worlds. I know we're kind of skipping around various sort of things, but. If I unpack some of that a little bit. So so let's go back to, to culture in a minute because they're so inter- intertwined here. But, you know, you, you talked about being ready. We've seen so many, you and I both seen how many times do you try it? You try it with, you know, you use innovation tool X, try it, didn't work, kind of abandon it. Then two years later, you try it again, try it again, different tool, fails again, right? So something's missing. So in both of those cases, you weren't ready, right? But you try it again and you try it again. And if you try it and you're not ready, it does fail, I think. And so the question is, how do you know if you're ready? How do you know? Because it's not, it's, it's not the tools. It's, it's just more than the tools. It's more than the process. As you said, there's culture. I think you said a couple things that were kind of interesting. You mentioned somebody submitting an idea about manufacturing in small, small groups or small batches. I forget exactly what you said, but you know, really companies that are really ready for discovery embrace that. They say you could submit ideas for parts of the business you're not even involved in and other companies will say no that's you're sticking your nose in my area forget it right i think the former would be ready for innovation the the latter maybe not right so that's a cultural thing it's a philosophy thing it's i can feel safe putting out an idea for any part of the company that i won't get shot down That'll be considered, right? Which is the second part of what you said. Then you're, you're actually, people will pick it up and seriously consider it and maybe even take and run with it. And we've seen so many times when parts of the organization will say, now, nah, bad idea, or we're not interested, or is it just closed, right? And there's just a closeness. And then you say, okay, I got to do innovation in my silos. I got to do discovery in my silos because I don't dare suggest something that somebody else might be able to do better, right? I think there's a role... The things that were popping in my mind as you were talking about really being ready to do discovery well, you got to have that that openness. You can't just create it, can you? You just can't, no, you know. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly that. It's it's a really interesting bellwether, I think, how it, how innovative a company is because 
I, I think there's so many other things that have to be right in a business for you to become an innovative business because you could look at things like diversity and inclusion. You can look at how empathetic are we as a business? How open are we with our employees? Because you won't get innovation if you aren't those things. You know, people talk about the press, the kind of corporate press down on a business where a business feels like it's being pushed down through the culture and the environment that the business is in. Is it a blame culture? Is there politics? Do people, are people afraid of getting called out because of their, their diversity or their, you know, how inclusive is the business? Innovation won't work in a business that isn't inclusive and it won't work in a business that doesn't accept diversity because you have to have diversity of thought to be able to get ideas from outside of your own sphere of reference, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so yeah. a really innovative business that is a business that is creating multiple innovation outcomes or, or valuable outcomes from innovation also has, has by getting to that, has ticked a, a lot of other boxes in their, in their culture, in their, in their behavioral, in the behavioral side of the business. Because you can't have, I don't think you can be, because being innovative is, is an outcome of being a healthy business in a healthy space. Right. Interestingly, we, we did some work with the National Trust in the UK, and the National Trust is an amazing business, but they rely on their properties that they own and the, the open spaces that they own being open for people to enjoy. And in lockdown, that wasn't happening. And so what that meant was that during lockdown, their, their properties weren't being used, which means they weren't getting they weren't getting their funding because they weren't, you know, people weren't donating and people were canceling their memberships because people thought, well, we're never going to be able to get back there again. There's no point. So they had to start thinking about some quite innovative ways of fundraising again. And that brief landed on the table of the innovation team, not on the table of the commercial team or the, you right. know, or the operational team, whoever it was. It was, became an innovation problem. And the head of innovation told me, she, she only just joined recently from, from, I think, from a bank. And she said, my first job is to get this business, is to get this business, she's talking about business, not a charity, but a business, because she said, we've got to behave like a business. But to get this organization, I guess, feeling comfortable with innovation. And I thought that was a really interesting phrase, because if you're comfortable with innovation, so many other things are going right. And most importantly for them, it means coming out of that position that they were in, which was kind of probably a bit of a panicky kind of situation, thinking, how on earth are we going to continue? Well, let's take a step back. Actually, this is the perfect time to affect a culture change in the business. What we want to do is become comfortable with innovation. And I think in that phrase is what businesses should be. It's a good thing to strive for, isn't it? To be comfortable with innovation. Because if we're comfortable with sharing ideas and getting people to collaborate on ideas. We're comfortable with solving problems that other people in our company have had without any fear of recrimination or without any fear of somebody saying, no, that's not a good idea. Or without, and we talked about this on the last session, but without any fear of somebody saying, what gives you the right to solve that challenge? You're only a right, junior, right. you know, in the post room, whatever. You know, that, yes. that then just suggests that the, the balance across the business is nearly right, is almost right. And so... Yeah, I think I think that's that for me is, you know, really where where it gets really interesting with companies that can start ticking those comfortable with innovation boxes. It just shows that so many other good things are in place with the organization. Yeah, I like the I like the word. I like the word. Are you comfortable <laughs> with innovation? Now, hmm. supposing we're in a but supposing we're in a company that 
the culture is not very conducive for innovation. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to use the word nastiness, but there's a lot of finger pointing and there's a lot of closed mindedness and there's a lot of fiefdoms and things like that. Let's say we're in that type of company. I think it's going to go a couple ways. One is if it's so pervasive, nothing happens and we could say, well, you know, we're going to try and fail, which is the examples we talked about earlier. But I think there's, you know, there's always a pocket of people, a group of people who are not in the same, right? They're more open. They're more willing. They're more forward looking. And so, you can start small. And I think that would be my, the only advice I could give somebody in there is like, you want to do discovery uh, and you're in that type of, of cultural mess, find a way with some peers, colleagues, you know, some fun things that you can do just among yourselves because success will breed success. We've seen it in organizations where this one little group comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden they start getting attention right? Because it's maybe a little more innovative than everybody else in that culture that's kind of stuck, right? They get a little more, they'll get more attention. And over time, they get more attention. So you think that's possible? Or do you think, you know what, if you're in such a bad climate, just forget about it? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably two things. One is that the world will always want innovators working for them. So if you, if you are an, if you feel like you're an innovative person, you've got loads of ideas, you've got loads of ways in which you can uh, affect a business, and the, and and the business is just not listening to you. Go somewhere else, and go and see where yeah. you can land that somewhere okay, else. Okay, fair enough. You know, because yeah. because you are more valuable. You are you are more valuable than the business will give be giving you credit for, because people can turn that that want to make things better to to anywhere that they're working. And I would say, you know, that is probably it's got to be one of the most important business skills you can have, isn't it? Is you know being adaptable. Yeah. But also being passionate about wanting to make wherever you're working better so that, that's that, that's one thing i think the other thing is absolutely start small you know start with a small group of people simon sinek talks about demand generation you know he says you know if, if a few people start to really get behind something which could be an idea that they want to turn into a, an entrepreneur kind of idea that they want to explore and see where it happens then nothing's going to stop them you know the old nespresso thing you know which is i'm not going to stop doing it i'm just going to try and do it you know, right. and until I can prove that it's the next big thing, and then I'm going to I'm going to tell you. So that it will yeah, still yeah. kind of it will kind of bubble away nicely with a small group of people. And what will happen is other people in the business will will go, well, what are you guys doing? You know, what's that? What what are you working on? What are you what are you planning? What are you? Oh, can I be part of it? No, 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 not not yet, not ready for you yet. And eventually, you'll get this kind of situation yeah. where they're like, why can't we? T- why won't they tell us what they're doing? And right. then and you'll be able to go and. Because you will find a level in in those organisations that are really heavy and politically charged and a little bit toxic, you know, you will find pockets of people that do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you need to join them up, and it, it takes connectors, and it takes. So I'm trying to think what Malcolm Gladwell calls them, but it's the kind of connectors and the and, right and the, connectors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people yeah. in organisations that that make stuff like that happen and join join people up. Because the curious will always succeed in an organization. Eventually, it'll be, the voice will be too loud for, for it to be ignored. And as, as, as it grows, so does the kind of movement, you know, and you end up getting the old French Revolution moment where everyone sort of charges the, uh, <laughs> the office doors of the senior team and going, we must change. And suddenly, you know, before you know it, that, that's what happens. But I would say also, there's probably, I mean, I, I've kind of think about the kind of four Vs of landing innovation, which is it would start with, I guess, 
I want to say velocity. So let's get something done. Let's, let's take an idea to actualization as quickly as we can. And then we can start to judge how innovative we're being by how quickly we can bring things, bring new ideas to either to market or new processes to fruition or, or whatever it might be. So there's a timing thing. You know, we're now we're able to actualize stuff faster than we could before, even if it's just a small team. So that's, that's valuable to the business. And this does go actually, as a side note, this does go to, you know, do you care enough about the business you're in to want to affect change and be passionate about it? Because, you know, often people go, do you know what? I'm just here for, my, I'm just here for the paycheck, guys. I'm just, yeah, well know. then, yeah, you shouldn't be there. Yeah, no, right. exactly, exactly. Exactly. Go yeah, and find yeah, somewhere that you should yeah. be and you, you can get passionate. Yeah. So there, first right, of all, there's yeah. that kind of, I think that probably that velocity. And then once you've got that, you get veracity. And then you get people wanting to be involved and more. And suddenly you infect the business with this with this innovation need and, and interest and passion. And then from veracity, you get volume. So then you get more people wanting to be involved and more of the right people wanting to be involved at the right level. Because that's another point is, you know, there's no point getting your creative people, your creative problem solvers to go and do the delivery work because that's not their mindset. And don't get delivery people necessarily to come up with the ideas. You know, pie, there's a lot of pie-shaped people out there who can who can do more than one thing well. But if people don't feel comfortable in other stages of the innovation process, don't don't let don't get them in, involved at that stage. One of the things that kills innovation is that's a great idea. Now we're empowering you to go and deliver it, and you're like, well, I'm I, <laughs> a I don't want to. B I haven't got the time, and C yeah. I'm not the right person to do that. There are other people in the business better than me. So that's another thing. With that volume comes the ability to um, have different people with different superpowers working on these new innovations at the right place in the right part of the process for them. And then finally, what that delivers then is value. And the, the fourth V being value, which for me is obviously, you know, financial value, but also reputational value and also value in terms of saving. You know, have we saved or made money? through this process as a business and has it enhanced our reputation and made us a more purposeful business because that that business value is as we know is becoming more and more apparent and more obvious so that kind of velocity veracity volume value is kind of a nice way of not only moving from a small group of people to hopefully a bigger group of people but also a nice way of building your analytics around how do we prove the value of innovation to the business well let's let's look at these these four different parts of the that's really interesting i think if you've done that if you've done those four you've like it or not you've changed your culture there you <laughs> so go. Exactly. it is a way to, that's a good way to change your culture you don't come down with a mandate and say right tomorrow we're gonna have a new culture yeah you just do no, it absolutely yeah and and but you need a way of measuring it and you this is go back to your yeah. point about why doesn't innovation land in businesses and why does it take so long to change? It's because people don't don't do the basics. You know, they don't define it. They don't have a standard definition of innovation across the business. What does innovation mean to them? And what does it mean to you individually in the business? And do they align? The second thing is we have no way of methodology of moving things through a process. No matter whether you use a tool or not, or whether you allow it to be really iterative and chaotic, you still need a process that allows you to be chaotic and iterative, but get to the goal. And then the third thing then is obviously 
measurement and how do you measure it? How do you measure what matters in the yeah. innovation process? And what does measurement look like to you is almost important as what does, how do you define it? Because measurement will change with how far into the process you are, but also who's involved because, you know, a CEO will come in with a particular way of wanting to measure the business outcomes and then someone else will come in and have a different way. But having a measurement methodology and definition that kind of outlasts the people that are there is where I think that feels like sometimes the secret to some of these companies structure. that we hold up. Yeah. Yeah. As, as innovative businesses. Absolutely. And that's part of maturity too. What's that's like a really mature organization can do that. Yeah. Well, Charlie, what do you, what do you see it going and give me your five year view of, of, of discovery and innovation? Well, yeah. So if we go back to, you know, our, our th thoughts about, you know, the three word mantra for our product, what was it? And it was, you know, HubSpot for innovation. The, the idea there was, you know, we looked around and we, what we heard a lot from people that we were talking to, particularly mostly consultants, innovation consultants, and a lot of those had been innovation managers and heads of innovation and product leaders in organizations before. And now they were, now they were consultants. So we were like, that's a bit weird. Why aren't you still in innovation? And they're like, oh, the company just didn't see the value. I left or I, or I was made redundant. The innovation, the innovation role was made redundant in my business and because the CEO didn't see the value. And it's not that they couldn't see the value. It's just that they didn't. And the way that the thing, the innovation program in those businesses was structured was sometimes not particularly visible in terms of showing the value that they were creating. And so it got us thinking about where does innovation rightly kind of sit in an organization and you know you, you look around a typical boardroom and you'll have you know ceo head of finance head of marketing head of sales head of operations commercial you know it all of those kind of roles hr all sit on that kind of top table and occasionally you'll find head of innovation you'll find you might find head of cio or you know a role like that there but not that often will innovation be seen as something that should be on that on that boardroom table. And our thought was, well, the first job for our platform and therefore the first job for the innovation process is to get the head of innovation a seat at the table so they can start to influence conversations because our thinking at the time, and I think it probably still holds true now, is that if you get your innovation process right, if you get your innovation program, this is business innovation, product innovation, change and transformation, et cetera, right, then not only do you start to inform the roadmap for the business, but it starts to become more and more important and other people can then plan their strategies around where the business is going in the next 10 years. So if you as the head of innovation are like, your job is to, is to map out a journey, which you don't know how you're gonna get there, but you know you are uh, because you trust in the process and you trust in the, um, and you're able to, keep a check and balance on your progress in your innovation journey. We're going to get here in, in, in the next 10 years. If we, if we put these things in place and we do these pro, pro, programs of work and we do these pro, projects and we, we run this, these processes, we will get from here to there. You know, we will get to the moon, the moonshot kind of thing. We didn't know how we're going to get to the moon in 1963, but we knew that if we continue to innovate, we would get there by, you know, 19, well, not by 1969, but we got there in 1969. So, you know, it, it's kind of holding off and going, we don't know how we're going to get there, but we know with the right process, we'll get there. We will get there. We just don't know how yet. And if you, if you accept that as a, as a role 
an important role, you can start to make product decisions, you can start to make marketing decisions, sales process decisions, financial decisions, all of these HR decisions, you can, you know, you can hire the right, the, the right people. All of these kind of decisions can, and I know I'm massively, you know, making it quite lofty, this kind of innovation role, but of course I would, you know, what if we believed so strongly in the innovation potential of our organization that it started to drive other strategies in the business? You know, we're going to go, we've got a vision to go from here to here and we're taking everyone on that journey. We believe in it enough for it to start, um, informing marketing sales you know commercial operations maybe you know hopefully before too long sustainability will be at that table as well i know it is in a lot of cases but not not enough but you know and 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 so the, those go hand in hand then they start to go hand in hand and so that was our vision was our vision was to get get the innovation person the innovation leader in an organization sat at the right hand of the ceo and, and helping to inform decisions based on a long-term strategy that they know they were going to achieve. And there were, there's always so many reasons why that's going to be, that's going to take a long time to do. Yeah. But we did then start to think about this kind of crossroads that we, that we, are, we sort of find ourselves at as organizations now and, it, and within innovation. And I think we talked about it briefly last session, but it, there's something in, this kind of place we're in at the world now where typically innovation leaders weren't trained in innovation but they are innovators because they are they are curious inquisitive and charismatic enough to take businesses on that journey so we have these people that aren't yeah they aren't trained they aren't educated in it necessarily and a lot of people are obviously there's plenty of examples of that but They've got there because the passion for wanting to take the business to another place is, is what's driven them there. With, with them kind of at the top of this kind of court, this, this quarter thing, quartile, you, at the bottom there, you've got people coming up into innovation roles that are trained and, do, and have done innovation and entrepreneurship courses and have got degrees in it and have gone through accelerators and have, you know, learned the, you know, done their done their time on the you know on, on tour if you like and really got a good grounding in the uh the theory of innovation management as well as haven't got the practice so in in they come from the bottom and these people are highly trained highly intelligent and ultimately have have the have the education to a knowledge built up through that to meet those those maybe slightly less less trained but all the more passionate and experienced innovators in the middle. And sure enough, coming in from the side of that is the, the trends, mega trends and industry related trends that are forcing the forcing organizations to, to plan what kind of activity they should be running in their innovation programs. And then finally, from the other side is coming certifications and standards in innovation management so your 56 the iso 56002 innovation management standard for instance as well as all of the other standards and certifications that are out there that companies can get to show how innovative they are or, or are becoming and somewhere in the middle there is this perfect storm of opportunity for innovation to be to be raised as as a um as a as a core business business skill that, that businesses need to show. And for me, you know, we've just done the innovation ops series, 
where we've kind of brought all of the different disciplines together with the with with the different audiences and different people that can that can benefit from an innovator kind of a holistic innovation ops view of, of what's happening and you can overlay that very neatly over this probably larger kind of global view of how mature organizations are being and and, and what are the pressing factors on making innovation more and more important and somewhere in the middle there becomes this fantastic opportunity, not just for Sophia, not just for us to to lead people through that, you know, to to Sherpa, I guess, people through that journey and build those programs with with you know with with products and projects and ideas and governance and road mapping and portfolio management, et cetera. And but give them that kind of toolkit, but know that they're gonna use it and they and know that they're gonna understand how to use it. And what it and, and what it can mean for them and what it can do for them as a business, because it can help them not just sort their own organizations out, but it can help them contribute to a more sustainable world. It can help them uh, manage mega trends that are disrupting the way they're the way they work. But it can also keep them on the straight and narrow from through the the work that the standards are doing as well to to show this is the path you know this is a this is a this is a path through that journey that you can take that's not tied to a particular organization which is why i think it's important when we talk about innovation ops to think well it's not a it's not a sophion thing no it's a an accepted way of building muscle around your innovation activity and something that everyone can do you know you know, as I say, a rising tide sort of floats all ships. So if everybody gets onto the kind of story of of how innovation ops can improve the those the four V's that we talked about for organisations, then then everybody that can has the product offering to support that can um, can help can help companies achieve it. Yeah. Well, that's Sorry, a, that was really, that's really, a, that's really a vision. That's certainly your, the end. Yeah, you put out a good vision. Yeah, what are you going to be in five years? There it is. Oh my gosh! <laughs> good. I tend to go off on on tangents. <laughs> so much to cover. So much to cover. Innovation is a big space. Yes, absolutely. Well, Charlie, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for sharing some of those thoughts. Appreciate it. I think it's just it was hanging from our last conversation. So really wanted to finish it up, and I'm glad you you joined me for that. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. I hope some of that was useful. And uh, yeah, happy to uh, happy to contribute. Great. So thank you for listening and joining us this week. Hope you have a great week ahead and uh, take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.